There's no question about that. It's going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that includes the coach No question. No question. I'll never forget that game last year. We're going to be ready. Hey everybody, welcome to another hurry up edition of Hey Fightin' Podcast. Coming to you shortly after LSU's 56-20 win over Arkansas. And typically, you guys know this, what happens is I come on here and I recap the game, talk about all the things that LSU did well, talk about some of the things they need to fix, play some player interviews at the end. Bing, bam, boom, we're done, we're out of here, everyone has a good time. And I might do some of that tonight. I'm definitely going to do the player interviews part because I talked with three or four players after the game, one-on-one, got some good conversations, going to play those at the end. But it's hard for me to start this game with the Arkansas win, with the win over the Razorbacks. Yes, LSU won the SEC West for the first time since 2011. I thought that's what I was going to be writing about tonight. I thought that's what the players and Coach O were going to be talking about after the game tonight. Coach O, I've said this on this show before, He is enjoying this season as much as I've ever seen a coach enjoy a season. And I don't doubt, look, I don't doubt that he enjoyed winning against Arkansas on Saturday night. However, you know, the 24-hour rule, right, that that Coach always talks about, it. the team gets 24 hours to enjoy the win. Don't look ahead to the next one. Just enjoy this one. Celebrate it. Have fun winning the game that you won. And then on Monday, let's look at the things we did wrong. Let's fix them. And then Tuesday, let's go ahead and start preparing for the opponent, right? That's the 24-hour rule. That's how it works in Coach O's world. And I don't think they're going to break that rule this week, but I think they might bend it. I I think they've already bent it, in fact. And the reason that I'm coming on the podcast and and not starting with Arkansas, and I don't know how much I'm going to talk about Arkansas on this podcast, is because there wasn't a whole lot of Arkansas talk immediately after the game. Yes, LSU won 56-20. Yes, LSU's offense broke more records and put up 612 yards. And yes, LSU's defense looked better and made some plays. And Jacoby Stevens got three sacks. And Jacob Phillips had 12 tackles. And there were some good things on that side of the ball. That wasn't what was talked about after the game, though. What was talked about was what's coming up next. Not what LSU's done, what they still have to do. And you would think, you know, after LSU wins the West, that there would be some enjoyment of that. And you'll hear some of that. Don't get me wrong. Those guys enjoyed it. You'll hear it from Thad Moss. It meant a lot to him after having not played last year. It meant a lot to Clyde Edwards E. there. It means a lot to that team, but they're not celebrating it right now. They are focused on not only continuing this season and this run that they're on because they still want to win the SEC and they still want to win the national championship. And those are goals that they still have ahead of them. But they really want to beat Texas A&M too. And every week, it's a 1-0 thing. Zach Von Rosenberg talked about it on the last episode of the show. Joe Brady tweets it every week. Every week, it's 1-0. This 1-0 coming up with Texas A&M feels a little bit different. The audio that I played at the beginning of the show was Coach O talking about the Texas A&M game. And the tone of his press conference, of Joe Burrow's press conference, of some of the guys we talked to after the game, the tone was very different than what it's been. They have already, as Clyde Edwards either said in a clip that I'll play for you here in a second, they've already flipped the switch to Texas A&M. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Especially when you, you have guys in here immediately after the game. It's like, 
it's already redemption time as far as next week. I mean, the the, the gear is already switched. It's it's just it's that's how it's been every that's how it's been every week. And to see those guys go in and like, hey, you know, next week Monday starting on Monday is 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 back to it because we we owe those guys a lot from last year. Um, the pain, everything that we felt last year, sitting in that stadium, however many hours that we sat in there to to understand that pain as a player. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't get any worse than that. So um, a lot of those veteran guys who who were here last year, I mean, the, the gears already switched them and I'm ready to watch start watching film on it tonight. So I hope they go and shoot it out to the iPad. Pretty much universally talking to those guys after the game, they were already looking forward to the Texas A&M game. And you can't blame them, right? We all remember the game, 74-72, seven overtimes, LSU loses on what I will diplomatically say were several controversial calls that went against LSU at the end of that game. And you you take the nature of that game, the way that LSU lost it, the length of it, the physical toll it took, the emotional toll it took. A lot of you know this. Some of you maybe don't. Even after the game, it was kind of a disaster. So the team plane takes off. We had to land not in Baton Rouge, but in New Orleans, and then wait in New Orleans for buses to arrive because there was so much fog we couldn't land in Baton Rouge. And I'm sure some of the players were like me. I was working on the way back. Some of them were probably relaxing or sleeping or whatever. I didn't know we had landed in New Orleans until we landed in New Orleans at whatever it was, 3 a.m., 2 a.m. And then they said, all right, now we got to wait on buses. So we sat on the plane for another hour or hour and 15 minutes waiting on buses. We didn't get home to 5.30 in the morning. So you take in the nature of that loss, the lateness of the game afterward. Clyde kind of touched on it in the quote. The travel situation, it was just a a really bad trip, and it stuck with a lot of guys, and it stuck with them. And so to me, it was really interesting after this win, after the Arkansas win, which I will talk about, I promise, after this win that all those guys very, very quickly, and I wasn't in the postgame locker room. Sometimes I am in the postgame locker room. This time I wasn't. It, it, they must have talked about it as a team in the postgame locker room that, hey, this is great. We won the SEC West. Awesome. Let's go ahead and get ready for Texas A&M because we've got to finish out the season undefeated. We've got to set the tone for what we're going to do in Atlanta. But we've got bills to pay. We have unfinished business to take care of. Here's what Joe Burrow had to say after the game. A very different tone than what Clyde took, where Clyde was pretty direct about it. Pretty understated from Joe Burrow right here. Business as usual. You know, that's never our goal this year to to win the West. We got more goals ahead of us. If you thought that was understated, check this one out. This is a couple of reporters asking Joe directly about the chance to get some revenge against Texas A and M. And the video's better to my Twitter at Cody Worsham, but the audio is pretty great. You can kinda hear the pause and the smile that comes on his face as he starts talking. Excited for Saturday. Excited. Chance to go twelve and zero. I think you could hear there at the end. The reporter literally said "touche." Uh, they tried to give Joe the bait to talk about the game, and he was quite understated about it. So, kind of a, a mixture from all the guys. You could tell they were already looking forward to that game. I think Joe's actions and his his tone and his face kind of spoke louder than the actual words, which is kind of how he rolls on a day-to-day basis. But Coach O talked about it a lot, you know, looking forward to the Texas A&M game. 
very, very different tone from him than than what I'm used to from this season. Usually this season, you know, the the players are more upset after the game. You know, if they don't play as well as they felt they could have, he says, "Hey, let's enjoy the win." That wasn't necessarily the tone of this this post game press conference. It was very much unfinished business. It was very much um, we've got things left to do, and it starts with Texas A&M. So you can tell they're geared up for this game. I don't want to spend any more time on it on this episode. There will be plenty of time uh, this coming up week to talk about this game, and and we will. Um, I want to spend the rest of this episode talking about the actual game that was just played. LSU wins 56-20 against Arkansas, and the way that I want to do this mostly is uh, through Q&A. I did send out a, uh, a call for questions after the game. I don't, I don't want to do the play and, and the number and all that stuff. I, I, th- I think it's it's this is the right week to kind of mix it up. And, uh, and I'd like to do that here and take a few questions. So let's go to uh, to the phone line first. You can always send in voice messages. There, there's a link in every episode description that you can find. And uh, I've got a couple um, from after the game that I'm going to play right here. Let's go to Taylor first. Here's Taylor uh, who has a question. Well, uh, <laughs> I stepped into this one. Uh, Taylor asked about Texas A&M. Hey, Cody. I was just curious how you think uh, the team is going to come out against Texas A&M. You know, they were really amped up for that Auburn game, and it kind of took us out of rhythm a couple of times just with some penalties and stuff like that. Just curious if you think we'll be able to go into the game cool, calm, and collected, not let our emotions get too much of us so we can come out there and, you know, go 12-0. and So thanks for answering these questions, man. Taylor, it's a good question. Thanks for sending it in. Uh, it's my fault for trying to throw it to the Arkansas game before I, uh, I played that question. Um, I, I think what you're getting at is, is just the emotional state of the team. And I think everything that I've said up to this point in this episode certainly could lead you to believe that they'll be overexcited for this game, that they'll be overamped for this game, over-emotional. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think when you have a guy like Joe Burrow, who is kind of that that silent killer type that uh, that doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. I think that's the right tone. And you know what's interesting? If you go in the locker room before any game, and I, I don't really go in the locker room before the game. That's the player space. I don't want to be in there. But in the times I've been in there and then the people that I've talked to that have been in there or that are in there all the time, they say the same thing. The locker room before every game this year for LSU is so much different than what it's been for the last few years. And it starts with Joe Burrow, I think. This is kind of the theory that we've developed talking about it. In previous locker rooms, there's a lot of music, there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of goofing around, and there's certainly some of that with this group, and especially with the receivers, they're they're a lighter bunch, and they have a lot of fun and all that kind of stuff, but really this team, compared to most teams in the past, takes a much more serious, much more quiet approach in the pregame, and I think that's because of number nine. Like I think guys around the locker room kind of look at nine, they see him being quiet, uh, I'm, I'm talking about Joe Burrow, not Marcel Brooks. They see Joe Burrow being quiet. They see him getting prepared. They see him stoic, kind of in his own focused world, and they sort of reflect that. I mean, th- there's certainly guys that are talking and listening to music and all that stuff, but compared to previous locker rooms, it's a much more quiet and focused group, and I think that's the approach they'll take with Texas A&M. I think they'll be super focused all week in practice. I think emotionally they'll be perfectly fine going into the game. I think they will learn from that Auburn game. I don't think they'll be overhyped. In fact, I think they're going to come in with the the, the very right tone. And I, I don't like to make predictions on this show. 
I don't think that's my place. I don't, I don't think analysis is necessarily my the first thing that I should be doing with this this podcast. But I will say this, and this is way way too early, and we'll get into it more in the week. I think this team is going to come out guns a-blazing against Texas A&M in all the right ways. I think offensively, defensively, special teams, this is going to be as locked in as you've seen LSU all season. And I'm expecting a very, very good performance from LSU. Having not seen them practice, having not heard anything about their preparations for this game, I just think with what's at stake, with what they have in their mind, they're going to be completely locked in for this game in a way that maybe we haven't seen all season. All right, that's it for the voicemail questions. I did have one more, but it was it was about the number seven jersey, who I think is going to wear it next year. Uh, just not a question that I, I really want to address right now. I appreciate you sending it in, uh, William. It's just not something I want to dive into right now for multiple reasons. One, that's an off-season question for me. Um, and, and two, I think it's it's a little too early, and that's not really my place to like predict who's going to be wearing certain numbers. That's that's a team thing. I'm, I'm kind of outside of that department, but um, I, I certainly have some opinions on it, but uh, maybe we'll get to those in the offseason. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into some Twitter questions. Good one from Brandon Bass here at LSU. Not that Brandon Bass. Uh, he says, ESPN keeps talking about our D getting soft or exhaling after LSU gets up by a lot, which allows the other team to hang around. What do you think LSU needs to do to play the full 60 minutes that Coach O keeps talking about? You know, I thought tonight was a better 60-minute performance from LSU. It still wasn't quite there. Uh, if you look at the quarter and half cumes or the, um, the, the, the quarter-by-quarter stats, Arkansas did get uh, 122 yards in the fourth quarter compared to 182 that they had gotten through the first three combined. So there was a little bit of an exhale there. You know, one of the one of the scores came after kind of this weird onside kick that LSU special teams didn't handle very well. So you can kind of write that off. There were some subs in there at the end of the game. Um, those those are not excuses. They're just kind of explanations. I do think that they, they've still yet to put together that full 60 minutes that you're looking for. Um, for whatever reason. But to me, tonight was about as good of a defensive performance as you could have expected from LSU, mostly because Arkansas came out and did the same stuff that Ole Miss did last week that LSU had trouble with. And LSU adjusted to it. They, they fixed it during the, the offseason. There's some technical things that they did that I don't really need to get into, um, but just kind of shifting personnel around, positioning around. They put guys in better spots, and then they made plays. And I thought defensively, you know, other than kind of a slow start, although, look, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I saw a lot of people on Twitter concerned about the way that LSU's defense started. I I wasn't too worried about it. I know they gave up two, two early field goals, but there was a couple of kind of fluky plays, one where they chunked it downfield, one-on-one with Christian Fulton. The guy went up and made a play. Okay, you tip your hat to that guy, you move on. LSU's defense dug in and got a stop. You know, they got another field goal after that. Okay, uh, Arkansas didn't score a touchdown for, for the first three quarters and really didn't score a touchdown until LSU had kind of put the backups in late. So, you know, I there were some slip-ups, but for me this was as close to a 60-minute performance as LSU's been with the caveat, obviously, that this is not an Arkansas team that, uh, that that's comparable to a lot of the other competition that LSU's played. But if you're going to be upset about LSU not playing well and mop-up time, Last week against an Ole Miss team that isn't as good as some of the competitions LSU's played this year, you have to be equally willing to give them credit this week in those situations um, when LSU's playing a team that's kind of in mop-up duty or a team that's just trying to finish out the season. So if you're going to get on them for last week's performance against Ole Miss, I think you have to tip your hat to LSU for the way they performed this week. Just 4.3 yards per play, 
5 of 17 on third downs for Arkansas's offense. You take out that third quarter where you did have a bunch of backups in. Um, you didn't have Grant Delpit out there. Jacoby had gone off the field by that point. You know, you had some second, third string guys rotating in there, and that's how Arkansas kind of got their last little boost of yardage. I think you have to to look at what LSU's defense did tonight and, and be pretty pleased, specifically Jacoby Stevens, who we're going to hear from a little bit later. But what a game he had. I think he's going to get his third SEC Defensive Player of the Week honors uh, for the season, which, I mean, does it, that, that's got to put him in all-conference contention, right? He had eight tackles, six solo tackles, three sacks, four tackles for loss, a quarterback hurry. Um, his sacks were so interesting because he kind of – they didn't rush him. They didn't use him as like an edge rusher. He kind of just – freelance a couple times he read the defense I remember talking to Jacoby after our interview which you'll hear later in the show you know I asked him about his sacks he said the first one you know I kind of just read the protection and the in the routes they were running and I kind of just you know took a chance coach O after the game called it a, a guess Jacoby said it wasn't a guess it was more of a uh, a chance that he took based on what he read Arkansas's defense doing and if you haven't figured out by now Jacoby's one of the smartest football players that I've ever been around certainly one of the smartest guys on this team um, but he he read that on the first sack the second sack he realized he was man-to-man with the tight end he realized the tight end was ineligible to run a route based on the formation so he just rushed and beat him and got the sack and then the third one I think he just won a one-on-one and got to the quarterback but super super intelligent player guy that uh, had a huge game Jacob Phillips had a really good game we're gonna hear from him, from him later 12 tackles two and a half for loss um Guy stepped up, Maurice Hampton, in his first start for Grant Delpit, um, showed what he could do the very first play of the game, had a nice open field tackle, finished with six stops. So all in all, I thought uh, good stuff from LSU's defense, 11 tackles for loss, six PBUs. Derek Stingley had three of them, um, three sacks from LSU. I mean, that's that's pretty good stuff from a defense. Maybe not a full 60 minutes, Brandon, um, but but I think pretty good stuff from LSU's defense and, and close to uh, close to a full 60-minute performance. Okay. All right, I have to uh, I have to face the music on this one, and I got a couple questions about this. Uh, one of them comes from uh, our very own Lindsey Thompson, uh, our very very talented graphic designer uh, at Lindsey Thompson underscore on Twitter. She asked, "Can you do the mop?" And uh, I had another question shortly after that from Tiger Fan eighty five that says, "Do you feel bad for getting Jamar Chase flagged?" So two related questions here, and for those who don't know, I'll explain. So this week on Twitter, uh, I tweeted something. I tweeted, uh, I saw this video of these guys doing this dance called the mop, which I had never heard of and I had never seen before, but it looked like one of these kind of new dance crazes that you see take over the internet. And I saw the video and, and kind of laughed and thought, oh, that's funny. And immediately thought, I bet Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson would like this dance. So I took the video and I tweeted it and I said, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson after their next touchdown. Because as you know, if you read my story last week after the Ole Miss game or listen to the podcast, uh, I talked about how much those guys love to dance after they score touchdowns. And so after LSU's, after Justin Jefferson's touchdown, so Justin Jefferson's first touchdown of the game, I think he put LSU up 21 to 6 maybe. Let me look at the box score here. 28 to 6. So it was the fourth touchdown of the game for LSU. Justin Jefferson celebrated by doing the mop and uh, it was awesome first of all because I I think I introduced that dance to those guys I, I really wish I could have talked to him after the game neither Jamar or Justin was there I'm pretty sure they saw that tweet and then decided to do the mop I'm gonna pat myself on the back and take credit for that if I'm wrong I'll come back and I'll eat my words but regardless um, because I'm taking credit I also have to take the blame after that touchdown LSU got 
flagged for a personal foul by three different players. Now we heard this week about the dancing from Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Both of them talking about they try to do the dancing as they come off the field to avoid the penalty. However, this time there was a flag drop back in the left corner of the end zone and there's a little discussion here. I'm not sure if they're going to catch them for the celebration or excessive celebration, but we'll wait and see from David Smith. Now, the back judge picked it up. The result of the play is a touchdown. After the play was over, unsportsmanlike conduct, number 22 of the offense, number two of the offense, number one of the offense. That is their first unsportsmanlike conduct foul of the game. That 15-yard penalty will be assessed on the kickoff. You will go a long time here at Tiger (laughs) Stadium. And not find a more unpopular call than Clyde Edwards Elair, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase being called for dancing, unsportsmanlike. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But indeed, you were afraid that at some point that was going to happen. It did tonight. Nonetheless, 27 to 6, touchdown stands. So there you have it. Uh, there's the flag that LSU got for doing the touchdown dance. Look, I know some of you don't like post-game, post-touchdown celebrations, I should say. Uh, I'm sure Coach O wasn't happy about the penalty, and uh, we didn't get to talk to the guys after the game about it, so I can't give you their perspective on it. Uh, I, I I I enjoy that stuff. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I don't think it's hurting anybody. I don't think they were taunting anybody directly. I think they were just enjoying the touchdown that they scored. They haven't been flagged for it all season. I'm not sure what they did differently on this one than any other touchdown. Maybe if the refs warned them ahead of time, like, hey, no more dancing. But if they, if they hadn't been warned, technically, it's I guess it's against the rule. The rule's very vague. The rule, I looked at the rule during the game. The rule's very vague. It just basically says if you're drawing undue attention to yourself or uh, deliberately mocking somebody else, it can be a flag. I didn't think they were doing either of those. Didn't think it was different from any of the other touchdowns they've scored this year, and they've scored a bunch of them. So maybe the refs saw something that I didn't see. But uh, all kidding aside, I'm guessing the touchdown dances will be uh, called back because last week Justin said – they're going to keep dancing until the refs call it. Well, the refs have called it, so we'll see how it uh, how it goes from here. But uh, I apologize for my role in introducing the mop to those guys if I, in fact, introduced the mop to them. Maybe I didn't, okay? Maybe I didn't introduce it to them. Maybe they knew about it before time, before ahead of time, and I just made a really good guess. I don't know uh, if I played a part in that situation, though. Uh, I am sincerely sorry, and, uh, and, and I, I will not let it happen again. I can promise you that. So I got another question here that um, I, I think is a little bit harsh, but I, I want to address it because I think it's important to address. Uh, Andy M says, what do you make of Jefferson's poor showing by his standards? Are we just expecting too much or did that earlier drop affect Burrow throwing to him? So by poor showing, I guess you mean statistically that Justin only had four catches for 27 yards and a touchdown. He did have that one drop that we kind of remember, but still four or five targets, not bad. Obviously, the touchdown is really nice. It's not a poor performance. I thought Justin was fine. He had the one drop, sure. He'd like to have that back. But statistically, you know, he didn't have this outstanding game. He he, Joe Burrow took what the defense gave him. And Joe gave a really good explanation of this after the game. So I'll just play Joe's explanation rather than try to explain it myself. But he gave a great explanation about the distribution of the ball. And it, uh, I'll play that clip and I'll come back and talk about it a little bit because it sets me up to talk about a couple things that I do want to talk about about what we saw from the offense and, and sort of the historical context they're in right now. But here's Joe Burrow talking about what he saw from Arkansas's defense and why he made the decisions that he made with the football. Yeah, you know, we have five guys on the field that at all times they can beat you. And I think Thad had over 60 yards in the first half. 
Clyde almost had 100 yards receiving as well as almost 200 yards rushing. So it's really pick your poison with those five guys. Who are you, who are you going to cover one-on-one? -on -one? I really, I let them decide, and then I I choose based on what they do. They they were doubling Justin all night, and so um, that let that let Clyde and and Thad get off, and then they were they were doubling Jamar in the first half as well. They were trying to take one and two away, and then they weren't able to do it because Thad and Clyde and Terrace were hurting him in the first half. So that's about as good as you can put it from a guy who's got more credibility on the subject certainly than I do, but. Essentially, this offense, everybody eats, but everyone eating means that you are at times are going to have to sacrifice like having the whole buffet to yourself, right? Like you're going to have to share a plate with your friends. So there's going to be nights, obviously, there's been nights where Justin Jefferson just goes off and has monster games. And then there's going to be nights where he has four catches for 27 yards, but Clyde Edwards either has seven catches for 65, and Thad Moss has four for 68, and Racy McMath gets a couple, and Terrace Marshall gets one for 12. That's just kind of the nature of this offense and the nature of of how Burrow plays. I've said this all season. Burrow makes more good decisions with the football than anyone I've ever seen. He just always goes to the right place with the football. And tonight, as he explained, Arkansas was basically playing two high safeties and bracketing his number one and two options in Jamar and Justin. And so you saw him take a couple shots at Terrace Marshall downfield early, good coverage on a couple of those, an underthrown ball on one of them. And then after that, it was kind of, hey, Thad, you get involved. Hey, Clyde, you get involved. And with a couple of shots to Jamar mixed in. And that seemed to be the approach that worked the rest of the game. And it's worked all season for LSU. Like Thad Moss tonight became the LSU single season record holder for catches by a tight end, which I'll ask him about a little bit later in the show. That happened because of all the other options that LSU has on the field and because Joe Burrow knows how to go through his progressions and read the field and and get the tight end involved. And I said this to Thad, Joe Burrow has completed 90% of the balls that he's thrown to Thad Moss this year. He's the perfect weapon for where LSU needs him to be. They need him to be near the sticks. They need him to be open where Joe can get him the ball, and that's where Thad always is. And the same for Clyde. They need Clyde to be the ultimate checkdown guy, make a guy miss in space or run an angle route and beat a linebacker, and that's what Thad does. Uh, excuse me, that's what Clyde does. So everyone in this offense plays their role. There's going to be nights for Justin Jefferson where he only gets five targets and he just has to make the most of them. That's what he did. He had the one drop, but he still had a touchdown and it was a big touchdown. And uh, and, and so, you know, pick as Joe said, pick your poison. If you're a defense and you want to hold Justin Jefferson to four catches for 27 yards, go for it. But you're going to leave Jamar Chase for six and 144 and two scores. And you're going to leave Clyde for seven and 65 and you're going to leave, leave Thad for 4-68. and 68. It's just it's a lose-lose situation because you've got a quarterback that can distribute the ball to five guys, and you've got five guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands. All right, a couple more questions, and then we'll get to my interviews. I've got Jacoby Stevens. I've got Jacob Phillips. I've got Clyde Edwards either and Thad Moss as my interviews for the day. And they're all one-on-one, -on -one, so I can play them in full, and, uh, and they'll be good. But uh, one question here. Uh, let me pull up my question from Fritz. Should Arsenal fire Emery? If so, is Potch the replacement? Yes, they should fire Emery. I'll take Potch. Uh, back to LSU topics. Shane O'Neill asks, were you surprised to learn that LSU is the first offense in SEC history with a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers? I know the SEC isn't historically known for offense, but I couldn't believe we were first. I wasn't surprised to find that out because, one, first, LSU was the first offense in SEC history and the only offense in SEC history before this season 
with a 3,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers. That was in 2013 with Mettenberger quarterback, Jeremy Hill in the backfield, Odell and Jarvis at wide receiver. Uh, two, there haven't been very many 4,000-yard passers in SEC history. I think Joe Burrow is the fourth in LSU history. And at this point, he's only 200-something yards away from Tim Couch's record uh, for 4,275 passing yards. So I think there's a good chance he gets to that too. But yeah, there's only four in SEC history. Tim Couch, Johnny Manziel in 2013 had 4,114. And then Chad Kelly in 2015 had 4,042. So Joe Burrow is uh, is only the fourth to do that. So there would only be four potential offenses that had that opportunity. And I guess none of them had either the combination of the two receivers or the uh, the running back with a thousand yards. And by the way, if Terrace Marshall had been healthy all season, there's a chance he could end up with a thousand yards had he played every game. Uh, if LSU keeps going the way they're going this season, he, he'd have had to have a, a couple big games mixed in. But that's the caliber of talent that LSU has at receiver. Uh, any more questions on here? Let me see. I'm kind of scrolling through to see if there's anything left. Uh, last one from Michael Gatos. Is this our year? Michael, I don't know, but uh, it feels like this could be our year. I'm not going to say definitively. I don't know. I can't predict the future, but all the pieces seem to be falling in place. All right, let's go ahead and get to the player interviews, and uh, and, and I'll just wrap up my part here. Uh, I'll just wrap up my part here and then play the, the player interviews. I'm going to come back this week with uh, with another episode for sure. going to try to get Hester this week to preview Texas A&M. going to try to get him on Monday. And uh, I'll be out of the office Wednesday through Friday. But I, I'm, I'm working on the Joe Burrow podcast feature. If you're familiar, we've been putting out the videos. That's Joe uh, at LSU Football Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, on YouTube, all that stuff. It's kind of a documentary series. If you haven't seen them, go check them out. They're really good. Matt Tornquist did a fantastic job putting them together. Um, I'm trying to do an audio version of that. It may just end up being, if you haven't read the That's Joe story that I wrote at LSUsports.net, uh, it's about a 7,000-word story. I'm going to try to turn that into an audio experience. So it'll be very, very similar, almost word for word, but you'll get to hear the audio. You'll get a little different feel and different context. If you've read the story, it's a good way to kind of re-experience it. Uh, I'm enjoying putting it together. If you haven't read the story, uh, it's a good way to hear it for the first time, and you don't have to read 7,000 words if you're not the reading type. So Trying to get that done before I leave uh, for a little Thanksgiving vacation with the family, which uh, which which I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, I can get that done before I go. If I don't, I apologize. I will get it done um, the in, in the next week, though. So I appreciate your patience on that. <laughs> Obviously, a lot going on around here. Um, you don't need to hear any more about that, though. So let's go ahead and throw those interviews uh, in order. I'm going to play them uh, in the way that I recorded them. Uh, first up, we're going to hear from Clyde edwards Elair. Then we're going to hear from Jacoby Stevens. Then we're going to hear from Jacob Phillips. Then we're going to hear from Thad Moss. So one more time uh, for those who need to hear it. Uh, in order, Clyde edwards Elair, Jacoby Stevens, Jacob Phillips, and Thad Moss. And uh, that'll be it for me uh, on this part of the podcast. So thank you all for uh, listening. I'll be back this week with more shows. Uh, Until then, enjoy these player interviews and uh, see you soon. Only a couple carries in the first half and that second half where you just dying to, to make something happen. 
Um, not really. Uh, it was it was just pretty much just. I mean, if, if if my number was called, make the play. If not, you know, um, in this offense, everybody eats. It's not a it's not a selfish thing as far as what we do. Um, if we going out there and putting up points, then everybody's satisfied. It's not it's not a one man one man thing. Um, you know, carried a couple times in, in the beginning. Hit hit one or two, uh, but for the most part, I was catching the ball in the first half, so there's no complaining from from anybody. Abby pointed out that after your 89-yard touchdown, Coach O kind of pulled you to the side and said something to you. What was that moment like? What did he share with you? Oh, I mean, Coach O, Coach o and I have have little moments here and there, and I mean, he's just you know saying he's proud of me and everything that I'm that I'm doing, and pretty much just I mean, he's 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 happy. He's smiling. He's laughing, and that's 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 what you want. You you want your head coach to be happy. You want him to be you know, stress-free in, in, in all the stress that he has upon him. Uh, being able to to have him, you know, happy in the middle of a game is, is something special, especially when you're running back and seeing him smiling. You're now the leading rusher in the SEC. When I say that sentence, what does that mean to you? It means the world to me, uh, but I also know that there's more work to go. Another SEC game and, you know, guys all across the country are still doing their thing, but the biggest part is I, can, I can't do it without – Play call and can't do it all O line and, and and those guys deserve you know if not if not all of it you know most of it um, you know they D Lou Lloyd all, all those guys man they look back and just say hey, you we'll handle it you do the rest so all, props to those guys they, they they always you know make everything easy for me. You guys clinched the SEC West tonight as well. What does that mean? I know you guys have bigger goals, but what does that specific accomplishment mean? First time since 2011. It means the world. I mean, I was I was never on a team to you know to clinch. You know, I was only my third year, but to to feel that that okay, we clinched the West, and everybody knows how steep the West is for for us to for us to do it and, and convincingly and not have to wait to the last game of the season is something that's that's special. At what time will you be in the duck blind tomorrow? Um, Jared and I, man, we're talking about going deer hunting tomorrow. Um, duck hunting, it's a little, it's a little, I have to, I have to head out as soon as I get home. So we have some land. I'm going to go probably already got cameras set up and everything else. So we're going up there, pull, pull cards, check out, check, check it all out tonight. And then in the morning, we'll know, we'll know what time to head out. Thank y'all so much. Most sacks you've ever had in one game? Definitely. Like, like dating back since like PB ball, that's probably by far the, as many as I've ever had in the game. By far. What were you able to do as a defense to free you up to get to the quarterback the way you were tonight? Um, Arkansas just did a lot of um, things formationally, uh, like having guys and having guys ineligible and uh, just how they protected and stuff like that. Um, and uh, it freed me up. I mean, especially when you have somebody like Caleb on Trace on that's going to get pressure every time. They're going to pay attention to him, and that, is, and that, and that, that takes attention off of me. And, uh, you know, I had to do my job. This is obviously a week where there was a lot of questions about the defense. Did you guys have a chip on your shoulder coming into this game wanting to prove something? Oh, we definitely did. Um, you know, we, we, we held them to six points, and then kind of, you know, when kind of we went to the fourth, late fourth quarter, they uh, scored some touchdowns, you know, the, the onside kick and uh, – you know, my pass in the France call leading to the touchdown and um, yeah, some miscommun miscommunication on a type of coverage. Uh, but uh, other than that, the defense played really, really well, but we still didn't play the complete game. We need to play a, uh, a complete game and uh, we haven't played LSU standard performance football yet. And that's what and that's what's uh, intimidating. That's what's scary is that we, have, we still haven't played to our potential yet.
You guys had a bunch of tackles for loss tonight, but you also had a lot of young guys playing. Mo Hampton got his first career start. Cordell Flott, who's been playing a lot for you guys, was back there. What have you seen from those young guys as, as they've developed? Um, just like you said, they're de developing. Uh, we have to develop our young talent because uh, here at LSU, people come here and they leave, and it's next man up. I mean, like, like Coach all preaches all the time, it's next man up mentality. And those guys coming in and they're, and they're holding their own weight. I mean, I remember when I was like that coming in uh, two years ago and, and last year where I had, I didn't have any starts. I didn't have really true playing time. And I come in and, and uh, make, start, started to make a name for myself. So I just tell those guys to be calm and uh, – you know, on one of the one of the first plays, kind of hit somebody, kind of get kind of get the jitters out out, and um, you know they they, they uh this is our, it's all learning experience. You guys want to share of the SEC West tonight, or clinch a share of the SEC West tonight? I know y'all have bigger goals that y'all want to accomplish as the season goes on, but what does that specific accomplishment mean to you? Um, I mean, we sharing or, we sharing the SEC West. Well, I think we clinch. You don't win it outright because Alabama. You guys beat Alabama. They're the only team that could have one loss with you. So you, you clinched the SEC West, tonight. right? Uh, yeah. So um, clinching the SEC West, man. I think we haven't did that since t uh, 2011. And um, I was kind of thinking uh, like this week, uh, you know, in the indoor they have the banners uh, going across, you know, the indoor, and they have you know the division title, the conference title, the national championships, and just to say that we can actually this team can put up one banner and being the SC, uh, West, SC West, uh, Western Division champions is, is amazing. And like you said, we still pushing forward. Like Coach O said that, uh, you know, we, we, we got to focus on A&M now. And uh, everybody knows we owe A&M. We owe them back. I know you were a big Chad Jones fan coming up. You looked like Chad Jones out there with all the sacks. I mean, I, I, we talked about the sacks already, but just how much fun did you have tonight out there? Man, I had a lot of fun, man. I was playing free, uh, fast, and uh, just, just out there just playing with confidence, man. And um, you know, I just I, I was just reacting to the things that I saw, things that I saw on film, uh, and all I saw in the game, I just uh, took advantage of. You came out on fire individually yourself, and you had like five or six tackles in the first two drives. It looked like you really had like a, a point to prove tonight. What was kind of your mentality early in the game? Uh, just you know, playing with a chip on my shoulder, playing with some intensity, with some fire. Uh, you know, we in the, we in the last stretches of the season, so you know, I feel like everybody has to do that in order for the defense to perform well. You know, just seeing all the media, how like how they just basically just was just killing us after the Ole Miss game. Uh, you know, I knew that uh, as a middle linebacker that my team was going to have to feed off of me. I know Coach O talks about blocking out the noise, but you guys hear that. I mean, it's inevitable when you're getting asked all the questions about the defense and all that stuff. How much does that motivate you when you when, when you guys are doubted? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say motivated. Uh, I know most of the time, you know, you you keep it out, keep it out of your ear, but a little bit of time, you know, it creeps in, and that's just where you know you tell each other, hey, this is how it is, and this is what people think about us. So it's it's really on us to uh, change their opinion. You guys clinched a share of the SEC West tonight, or you, you clinched the SEC West tonight. Um, hadn't been done in the program since 2011. I know you have goals that you want to accomplish as you go on, but what does that specific accomplishment mean to you? It's just all glory to God, you know, uh, being able to be a part of this team, being able to be a part of a, a team that's going to the SEC championship game in Atlanta and having a chance to win that and then go on uh, further past that for our season. Uh, you know, it's just a huge blessing and accomplishment that uh, I won't take for granted. If you look at the numbers, you guys had a lot of tackles for loss, a lot of sacks. What were you able to do to get in their backfield tonight? Uh, you know, Coach Randy told us, he said, we can either lead this game saying that we pressured them from like our, our base defenses, or we can lead a game saying they were sitting back there and we had no pressure on them from our base defenses. We made the game plan to where, you know, it was on us for, to attack, and, uh, you know, you just had to do that individually. 
know you got a 24-hour rule, but Texas A&M next week. I know you guys have been looking forward to that game all year. What's going to be the mentality this week going into that game? Uh, you know, it's going to be a big game. You know, it's the seniors' last game in the uh, in Tiger Stadium. So, you know, just being able to fight for them, fight for your teammates that, uh, you know, were part of, the, part of the loss last year with them. You know, uh, basically just everything that goes into that and, uh, you know, how it was after the game. Uh, it's just going to be an amazing atmosphere and amazing uh, game. All right, thank you. on an individual basis, you set a new school record for receptions by a tight end in a season. Did you did you know about that record coming in? No, I knew about it. Um, I mean, me personally, I didn't I didn't know about it. I was told by other people, but um, I knew about it. <laughs> what, what does that mean to you? This is a school that's produced a lot of good tight ends. David LaFleur, the guy that you broke, was a great tight end. What does that mean to you to have that record? I mean, it means a lot. To me personally, it really does mean a lot. Knowing the year that I had last year and all the obstacles I had to overcome on the field and off the field, and to be able to come back you know, and, and break that record. Uh, it means a lot to me personally. Also, I give thanks to all the tight ends that came before me, you know, that, that helped pave the way for, you know, Richard Dixon and, and LaFleur and Foster, just all the tight ends that came before me. You know, I, I thank them, um, and it just feels good. You and Joe have such a good connection. I was looking at the numbers before the game, and I think now after the game, like, he's completed like 90% of the passes he's thrown your way. What, what's that connection like? How did y'all develop that connection? How much confidence do you have in that connection? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'd say just the work, just how much we threw in the offseason and just us communicating. Um, you know, I've been saying he always tells me when I, run a, when, I, when I run a route, he expects me to be here and the ball be here. But, you know, sometimes like there's a play today that kind of was broke up a little bit and he just found me. I don't know. We're really good friends off the field. Um, we have a good chemistry off the field. So, you know, sometimes, you know, there's nothing like I can just look at him. We're already thinking the same thing. You know, there's nothing to be said. I like to say it carries over to the football field. Um, you know, I, I know sometimes I'd be knowing, you know, okay, I'm going to run around and get the ball. And I feel like the same thing with him. Um, but we just have a good chemistry on the field. We have good chemistry off the field, and I feel like it translates on the field. On the first touchdown drive where, where Ty scored, you had two catches. And then I think it was the first touchdown drive. You had two catches. And then on the touchdown run, you pancaked your man. How much pride do you take in being not just a pass catcher but a complete tight end? I take a lot of pride. Um, you know, everybody, my dad's Randy Moss, one of the best receiver to ever play the game. Uh, I don't play receiver. And I can't. I've been telling people that my whole life. I don't play receiver. Never ever played receiver. I play tight end. So what good, what good, what good is it for me to be a receiver if I play tight end? So I always take it to heart. Um, you know, take a personal, trying to be as, as versatile as versatile as I can. Being a tight end, trying to be good in the passing game and trying to be just good in the run game. SEC West champions, what does that mean? I know you guys have bigger goals ahead, but what does that mean? <clears throat> I mean, I'd say it means, I mean, I don't know about the program. To me, it means a lot. Um, but I don't know. It's just a t I mean, it just says a lot about the guys, about the team that we have and the coaching staff that we have. Like, we just clinched the SEC West and we'll be, you know, playing the SEC championship game. I think I don't even think it was brought up in the locker room. Nobody celebrated. We won the game, and it's just like, poof, on, on to the next week. You know, we still have another game ahead of us, and, you know, they're in the way. So um, it means a lot, but with this football team that we have, it's kind of just next up. Okay, who do we have next? And just keep keep going from there. Where were you for the A&M game last year? I was at home. <laughs> I was at home for the A&M game, um, like I was for all the away games. Um, but I was at home on my couch watching the game. What do you remember about that game, and what does this game coming up this week mean to you? Well, I mean, I was watching the game. I thought it was over when uh, they spiked the ball. I don't know. Uh, 
I know it got to a point eventually where I was watching the game and I was like, man, like I want to turn this off and go to sleep. But um, I mean, we definitely have, we we have something. Knowing that the game ended how it ended last year, we'll have something for them this upcoming this upcoming game. All right, man. Thank you. Like nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers! I said, fight, fight, fight! Victory for, victory for, victory for LSU. We are number, number one. Victory.